Good morning. It is so, so good to be back. I miss you guys. And that video, <laughs> and what Allison said, I'm a little, a little, a little watery uh, this morning. <laughs> it's a bad <laughs> way to describe yourself. But uh, <laughs> just watery. Uh, a little rusty coming back. <laughs> but I, three years is a big deal. Uh, three years in the life of a church is a, is a huge deal for a church plant to make it to this stage. Um, not many do uh, make it to this stage. And this is, um, this is kind of a, yeah, it's a, it's a, a landmarker for us um, when we look back in the life of the church. Uh, that we were able to make it three years and we hope we'll make it 30 years, right? Like, and it's only because of what you guys um, saw here, the, the amount of people who were involved in, in each other's lives and, and caring for one another um, and the friendships and the building the trust. And so um, this is not just a, a leadership thing. And one of the beautiful things about church plants is that you get everyone involved. Um, and you guys have stepped in and, and all been involved. And so I just give yourselves a round of applause right now. We will, we will celebrate with you fully outside uh, with dumplings and boba. We hope it's not 40 degrees and windy, um, but we, it looks better than it was two days ago. Um, all right, well, everyone has asked me this morning, how was the sabbatical? Uh, and that's, I, I love that question because I can fully tell you, in, in all honesty, it was delightful. <laughs> it was so, so good. I told Malcolm two weeks ago, so like a two-month sabbatical? <laughs> and that was his response. <laughs> uh, awkward. <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely delightful um, to just live and breathe in a space with no deadlines. I'm sure everyone's hating me right now out of jealousy. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever lived in that space before, and maybe some of y'all kind of can relate, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, we've taken vacations before, but you take a vacation, you come back, and you're like, I got so much to catch up on. There's so much work to do, and one of the beautiful things about uh, Mosaic is there's so many people who, who came together, and the church went on without a hitch, uh, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful thing, um, but to just take four weeks off from my normal daily uh, you know, routine, and to turn off the internal clock that, that is always ticking and ticking and ticking. Uh, I just spent a lot of time walking around in Cameron Park. <laughs> it was delightful, just walking and talking to God, and sometimes I'll bring a disc um, <laughs> and still talk to God while playing disc golf, um, right? Uh, I would go, uh, yeah, Cameron Park, I would do that. I, I, I did a lot of self-care, um, made a point to, to be at the gym each week, but also um, some other things like that, just to, to care for myself, smoke some meat. So these are things you're like, that doesn't sound like a sabbatical. <laughs> but when I came into the sabbatical, I said, I need rest. I was exhausted. Um, and I was so tired, I didn't even know I needed it. Um, and so I just want to say thank you to you for being willing to give that to me, because that's not something a lot of churches are like, Come on, <laughs> seems selfish, but no, thank you for letting me have that because I, I, I didn't know I needed it as bad as I did. Um, the first couple days into the sabbatical um, were sweet, and then it was followed by withdrawal, <laughs> like an addict. 
um, that needed, like, I've got to be doing something. Like, it just, it, I'm sure many of us can relate here. We're going to talk about that drug, that, that, that addiction um, here in a minute, but we're not going to do that yet. Um, right now, this isn't something we normally do in a service or in a sermon, um, so this isn't going to help us with our, our, our podcast sermon later. I want to hear from you. Um, it's, been a, it's been a month, and I, wa- I want to hear from you, maybe in like one sentence, how is everybody? I want to hear, what is one thing good that's happened in the last month? Can someone share some good news? One sentence, go. Spring break. <laughs> Woo! Amen. <laughs> some other good news. Yeah. Escape rooms. Oh, okay, Corey. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. You've got new bookshelves. I love it. Put all those good books in there. Gabby? God has been consistent. God has been consistent. Okay. That's good. That's good. Some good news. Yes. Moved into your new home. Woo! <laughs> Moving's hard, but, but you're in. <laughs> That's the good news. That's great. Congratulations. Went fishing. Went fishing. Oh, it's delightful. That's delightful. The kids love this. This, <laughs> this is also because there's no kids' church today. <laughs> the camping trip at the end was not very fun, but the whole trip at all was, was delightful. Great. <laughs> Spin that a little bit. <laughs> Up top. Your birthday. Is it today? Friday. Well, happy birthday. Seven? Nine. I was guessing. Good. <laughs> All right. Any, any? Okay. We'll do the last one. You got a new chair? Woo! Let's give a round of applause for the chair. I love that. I love that. We, we probably need some good news. Uh, it's, been, it's been a month, right? Uh, so I feel like Thomas Jefferson coming back in going, what did I miss? Uh, <laughs> it's just like so much that's happened. <laughs> and I'm just like, what's going on? <laughs> oh, we're in a, we're in a, there's a giant war going on. Obviously, we knew about that. But um, there's, there's been some hard things, but there's also been, I've heard from others, there's been some beautiful things that have happened, some of the stuff that maybe you haven't shared here, some life-altering, changing news that is just beautiful things. Um, And so I just, I'm so thankful. I feel like there's been a lot of good stuff that's happened in the midst of that. But I feel like, yes, the sabbatical was delightful. And I would say 95% of it was just so, so good. There was probably about a 5% in there that was like a little bit of FOMO. You guys ever have that little fear of missing out where you're just like, but but what's happening? (laughs) And you you, kind of want to know and you want to be a part of it. Um, And I feel like that's, that is a, that is an underlying, um, drive that pushes into the addiction that most of us have. Um, Now, some of you guys would say, addiction? Um, I'm not addicted to anything. But let me just ask you this. Have you ever told an addict they're they're an addict? What's their response? No, I'm not. I can stop any time I want. And so many times, addicts don't know that they're addicts. And so my belief 
is that nine out of 10 of us are addicted to this drug. That we are addicted to this drug. Some of us, nine out of 10 of us in here um, are addicted to this. What is it? You're just gonna have to wait. Um, (laughs) Today, I chose Psalm 39 for our text because it has some deep, deep questions for us. Uh, In verse four, it says, Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. And you might be like, whew, slim. (laughs) That sabbatical was not that chipper, was it? (laughs) Coming back with with that. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, But it's a fact, right, that that death and taxes are certain, right? Like that these are going to come. We we understand that this is true. But I think many of us live or at least functionally live and believe that our, our life is unlimited, that we are just going to keep going on and on. We don't have to worry about what's coming near the end. Um, but I think you can ask any adult in the room how old they feel, and usually they're going to say they feel younger than they are, right? So at some point in your life, you're going to be 70 years old, and you're going to go, I feel like I'm 30. What? How am I 70? How is this to be true? You may be 40 now, and you're like, how am I 40? You know, this is something that you'll you'll find true with many adults, is you feel younger because life just moves moves and moves and moves and goes very fast. Um, But the psalmist here says, teach us to number our days, to make them count, to to know what they are. And when we hear that, so many times I think we hear that number our days, and we think, carpe diem, seize the day. Right? And we're just like, I'm going to say yes to everything. Everything. You want to go to the Baylor game? Yes. Do you want to uh, get your kids in soccer? Yes. You want to go see this movie? Yes. You want to get some coffee? Yes. You want to go on a mission trip? Yes. You want to serve on this board? Yes. Hey, can you stay late? Of course. Hey, do you, can you go to the bank? Can you get the groceries? Can you go to the gym? All these things. Yes, 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 yes. And our lives just become so cluttered and so busy that we're just like, <gasps> we're drowning. It almost feels like the Jenga game, that every time you say yes, you pull a block out. And you have that, that, that tower that is just wavering, and you're like, yes, and you're just like, oh, God. <laughs> and you're just waiting for your life to just fall apart because you're saying yes to so many things. Does, anyone, does that relate with anybody? I, 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 I assume so. Um, But is this what the psalmist is encouraging? You might think so if you just stop at verse 4, but he continues. In verse 6, he says, Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain they rush about, heaping up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. Ooh. (laughs) Heaping up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. That is is hard. (laughs) Like, that verse just rocks me. They, They... The the poet is commenting on the sheer pointlessness of it all, that that we're running in this direction and they're running in that direction, and we may be storing up our our bank accounts, but who knows if we'll we'll ever be able to have that money or to give it to our kids, because we we all know, we've we've heard the stories about how the money can just slip away, or the banks foreclose, or inheritances get squandered. And so what is the point of all of our hustle? What's the point of it? We, we hustle, we grind like busy little bees. And what is the point of it all? Paul says this in a different way in 2 Thessalonians 3.11. He says, we hear that some among you are idle 
and disruptive. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. <laughs> Many times you read that and you're like, stop. <laughs> Don't insult me. They are busy. They, they, they're doing a lot of things, but nothing that matters. Ooh. We, what he's saying is that we are just hamsters on a wheel, always running and never arriving. You ever feel like that? That you're just always running on the treadmill but never arriving? At the beginning of the sabbatical, I, I, was, I was feeling really needing of this. Um, didn't realize how much I needed it. Uh, feeling a little burned out, but a friend, uh, someone here, recommended this book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And he tells the story of his friend, um, John Ortberg, who's meeting with his mentor, Dallas Willard. I just gave you three names. I'm sorry. Um, but Dallas Willard is like the Yoda, right? He, he's, a, he's an older theologian. Um, and, and so they're coming to, to Dallas. Uh, John is coming to Dallas, and he's asking him this question. So he's, he says, not long after moving to Chicago, I called a wise friend to ask for some spiritual direction. I described the pace of life in my current ministry. The church where I serve tends to move at a fast clip. I also told him about our rhythms of family life. We're in a van driving, soccer league, piano lesson, school orientation night, years. And I, need, and I told him about the present condition of my heart as best as I could discern it. What did I need to do, he asked him, to be spiritually healthy? He's asking his, his mentor, what do I need to do to be spiritually healthy? And after a long pause, Dallas Willard responds, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And so John says how he, he, the pause rang out and he said, this is a long distance call. I'm trying to get as much out of this guy as possible. And I was like, okay, I got that. That's great. What else? And there was a long pause and Dallas says, there is nothing else. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. How many of us struggle with hurry? I most feel that that, that that message might be for us. Is, is this a problem for any of you? Uh, I'm, I'm sure, did, did this happen this morning? When you, when you were talking with someone you haven't seen for a while and you asked the questions that we all like to ask, usually we say, hey, how are you doing? And the response is, good, I'm busy, right? Do we have that? There we go. <laughs> Says everyone. <laughs> I'm good, I'm busy. The busy is always important. Now, you might say, I'm not good, but I'm busy. And you might be like, oh, I'm just so busy. <laughs> you say it kind of just negatively, but you're still saying it as a way to justify all that you've been doing, to make sense of all of that work that you put into it. And so busy is this, this phrase that we use all the time. I'm good, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. And we all are like, good, I'm glad you're busy. If you weren't busy, I'd be worried about you. But is that the way we're supposed to live? <laughs> that I, I, I'm busy? Or are we all just stressed out, anxious, and tired? Are we all just stressed out, anxious, and tired, and we're like, no, that's good. That's, that's, what the, that's the way life should be. Corey Ten Boom says, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. <laughs> Why? Because both sin and busyness have the same effect. They cut off your connection to God, to other people, 
and to yourself. If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. <laughs> Are y'all feeling attacked right now? You're like, back up. <laughs> Stay out of my personal life. It, it's, this is not an attack. <laughs> this, is, this is an autopsy on my own soul. <laughs> As I went into the sabbatical, I'm like, why did I need it so much? Why did I need it so much? Man, I'm just so busy. John Mark Comer says this, this first phrase, hurry and love are incompatible. Oh, gosh. I'm just shooting you with bullets here. <laughs> hurry and love are incompatible. He goes on to say this, all my worst moments as a father, a husband, and a pastor, even as a human being, are when I'm in a hurry late for an appointment, behind on my unrealistic to-do list, trying to cram too much into my day. I'm like, oh gosh, this is just describing my life. Are y'all relating? Maybe this is just me. All, I, all we want to do is just say yes to everything. Yes to everything. We don't want to miss anything, whether it's for good motivations, like I want to make an impact or, or for whatever. We've just crammed our lives full of so many things that we're just so hurried that were the Jenga tower about to fall down. At my ordination service 12 years ago, when I was ordained to be a pastor 12 years ago, um, I remember going up to one of my mentors and I asked a, a very scary question. One of the questions that um, made me question whether to go into ministry was, we, were just ha we just had our first son, Knox, um, and I asked him, how do I parent my son to not be the stereotypical pastor's kid. Some of y'all are pastor's kids. How do I do that? When we think of that, we think of the, the pastor's kid who, who's burned out in the church, doesn't like the church, and doesn't like their dad, or doesn't like, doesn't like their parents, right? How do, we, how do I do that? And like, like John coming to his Yoda, um, Dallas Willard, I came to this, this mentor and said, how do I do that? And he says, give him your time. Give him your time. Why? Because hurry and love are incompatible. We, we, we can't feel that we are loved when we, when we have an important meeting to go to. We can't feel that we're loved when someone, when someone is checking their messages, they're running late, or they're even absent. This is why the first descriptor in that great love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 is what? Love is what? Patient. Oh. <laughs> Let it be anything but patient, <laughs> right? Patience is the worst. <laughs> Don't ever pray, Lord, teach me patience, because you know he will. Uh, but why is that important that love is patient, <laughs> Because it's perfect. Patience is perfect for what that is. Because love takes time. It takes time to, to, to build trust. It takes time to show someone that you actually love them. It requires us to slow down and to give our careful attention. And so if you want to love someone, give them your time. Some of you are like, okay, cool, cool. All right, just change my time, and now I'm a loving person. Cool, I'll do that. <laughs> But do we, do we realize how bad our condition is? Do we realize how bad it is? Did you guys know that in the year 2000, this is before the digital revolution, in the year 2000, our attention span, the amount of time that we could focus on one thing, was 12 seconds. 
Let's see how long 12 seconds is. Let me, I'm just going to sit, I'm going to set my, my, my timer. This is a great use of our time. Um, and we're going to see, see how, see if you can remember the last, where we're at in the sermon here. I talked about the, the digital revolution. Let's see if you can remember if your mind goes to anything else. seconds is a long time for nothing, right? <laughs> Did y'all think about anything else during that 12 seconds? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, 12 seconds. I'm, in that time, you're probably thinking like, how long is this sermon? <laughs> Doesn't he know we have kids in here? Doesn't he know that this is valuable time that he's burning? Why is he doing it? Why is he talking about it right now? I wonder if I should get a new dog. Uh, like, <laughs> We're, we have 12 seconds and then we just shoot to something else. That was in the year 2000. Now, in 2022, the, the, our attention span is eight seconds. Eight seconds that we can give to someone before our mind goes somewhere else. <laughs> so preaching is really fun. <laughs> I've got to get your attention every eight seconds and come up with something else, right? But if you don't believe me, just watch. Anybody like Star Wars? Yeah, yeah. So if you don't believe me, watch the new Star Wars movies and then watch the, the, the originals. Notice the difference between how fast they cut from scene to scene. The new ones, man, it's, everything's moving. If you watch The Empire Strikes Back, which I love, but there are long scenes <laughs> where it's just like dead air and you're like, Move the plot forward <laughs> to something. It, it, it's, it's wild, but that's because we've been conditioned. We're just so, our attention span is just so short. We want everything to be going boom, 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 boom. And so I think this is, this is influencing the amount of the ways that we hurry in life, that we have to go from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing, right? There's a, a Catholic theologian named Ronald Rollheiser who says, we, for every kind of reason, good and bad, are distracting ourselves into oblivion. Pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major roadblocks today within our spiritual lives. <laughs> Pathological busyness. Is that too harsh of a term? <laughs> or is it the right... Is it, is it the right diagnosis? What is the addiction that nine out of 10 of us, I believe, have? It's the addiction to busyness. It's the addiction to be busy, to always be hurried. It's a sickness. Psychologists say uh, that someone who, who suffers from the sickness is someone who chronically feels short of time and always stressed. Anybody? So that every action is rushed. Anybody? Oh, now, now you're just meddling, preacher. Stay out of a business. Now, what, what, if, what if this is true? What if, here are some of the common symptoms. Irritability, hypersensitivity, restlessness, workaholism, general lack of care for your body. The body keeps the score. Have you heard that book? Oh, your body will start telling you things whether you knew, it, <laughs> you knew things were happening about you. You start realizing like, oh, there's something deeper going on in here, right? This is why I'm not sad to leave the sabbatical. I was a little sad, a little bit, but I'm not super sad because 
I'm taking part of the sabbatical with me. That's one thing that I'm coming out of the sabbatical with, that I need to take some of the sabbatical with me, that I'm reorienting some things in my life that I knew were not a healthy like, way of, of, of living. There are some things I've learned in the space to breathe that I, I realized I wasn't, even, I wasn't even breathing properly. Like, I'm not even breathing properly. You ever like sung in front of someone who uh, actually knows how to sing? And you're like, let me just wow you with like, Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. And you're like, you're like, oh, give me the Grammy now. <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, you need to sing from the diaphragm, not from the throat. And I'm like, I'm going to punch you in the diaphragm. <laughs> I'm not even singing right, Jada. Okay. <laughs> I... I I think this is true about the way we live our lives in busyness. Like, we're just, we're living lives so busy that we don't even realize that we're, I'm not even living right. It's not the way it's supposed to be to always be stressed and anxious and hurried. I thought that's, I thought that's how we do things here. Like, <laughs> we're not even doing it right. But here's the good news. Jesus was never in a hurry. If you look at the Gospels, Jesus was never in a hurry. In fact, there's times when they wanted him to hurry, and he didn't. If Jesus were with us in here in Waco today, we would be rushing him. We'd be like, oh, Jesus, we got to take you to this place and this place and this place. You got to stop wasting your time after church talking to all these people. We got to get you on the news. We got places to be, places, people to see. We would be rushing Jesus and he would say, stop. I'm going to spend some time with these people because Jesus never rushed. Jesus practiced the ministry of presence. He was fully present with the people he was with. He was fully present with the woman at the well. He was fully present with the father who lost his son. He was fully present with Mary and with Martha. He gave his, his attention, his focus to them. And so he gives his time. He gives his time to the, to the drunkards. He gives his time to the tax collectors, to the prostitutes, to the least in society. Jesus waste, if you call it waste, his time. He gives his time that way. And the good news is that Jesus loves you enough to slow down, to give you himself. If love and hurry are incompatible, then presence is the embodiment of love. That Jesus is present when he came to the earth, he is fully present. And God with us, Emmanuel, and by his presence, he gives us life. His death paid for our sins, but when he came back to life, his body was resurrected, and then when he went to heaven, he gave his spirit to us so that we are never alone. That you are never alone, that God is fully present with you, and he wants to give you his full attention. And I want to ask you this morning, do you know that God is not bothered by you? God doesn't feel like you're a bother when you want to spend time with him. He doesn't say, I'll schedule you a month out. He says, let's waste an afternoon together. That's how much God loves you. That he would spend that much time with you and be willing to, to drop everything, to have margin in his life, to drop everything, to spend it with you. Now let's be real. If Jesus loves us enough to slow things down, wouldn't we want to slow things down on our end? for the people that we love. 
This is how we redeem the time and count our days. It's by reprioritizing our time to meet our values and changing our, our lives to slow down is going to be hard, right? It's not going to be easy. It's not a quick fix. This, this is a whole life orientation. There are some things you may need to do to reorient your life to actually slow down. When I was younger, uh, I went uh, to my youth leader, and he was talking to me about this, this jar, uh, much like this one right up here. Um, and he put a couple rocks into the jar, and he asked the question, is it full? And I looked at the jar, and I was like, yeah, I don't think you can get any more rocks in there. Yeah, I think it's full. And so then he said, okay, well, let me, let me add a few uh, pebbles to the jar. Um, and I think you have the next one. So he added a few pebbles to the jar, and I was like, okay, you got me. He said, now, is it full? And I said, yeah, yeah, looks like you won't be able to get any more rocks in there. And so then he goes to the next one, and he says, okay, well, I pour some sand into it. <laughs> and, I, and he says, now, is it full? And I'm just like, so like, you're going to trick me again. I don't know how you get anything else in there. No. And then he pours some water into it, and that was the end. <laughs> and so the, the, the thrust of what he was trying to argue uh, when, he, when he did this is that if you don't get the big rocks in the jar first, you'll never get the little ones in as well. And so if you go to this next picture, the picture on the left um, is the picture of our sickness that we, 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 we call busyness, that we, we've prioritized all the little things. We put them all in first. And at the end, we don't have time for the big, important things in our lives. We don't have the space to think, like, did I spend time with God today? Did I spend time with the people I love today? Did I spend time meditating, being by myself? Did I have any moments to free to think? And this is the, this is the picture of the sickness, that it's just bubbling out of us, that it won't fit. Versus when we realign our time, Realign our, our values to meet the time, all the small things start to fall into place and to, into the right spot. And so today, I just want to say, you have an opportunity today. It's called the Sabbath. And the Hebrew, the Hebrew word there is Shabbat, which just means to stop. To just stop. To stop worrying, to stop working, to stop wanting, to just stop. And it's an opportunity that we have in this space to stop to realize we have a God who stopped for us. We have a God who, who gave up the seventh day to just rest and to enjoy it with his creation. And so I, I just want to encourage us to make space on this day because God made space for us. So we have margin and to kill an afternoon. We have margin to actually spend it on the things that are important. I just say, Jesus loves you guys so deeply. Do we see this to be true? Like, if love is patient, Think about how patient Jesus is with you. Jesus is patient with you. He wants to spend that time. Maybe, maybe today you need to just pour the whole jar out and start over and go, okay, what are my priorities? What do I care about? What do I need to, to, to give some free freedom to? And so I just want to say, what are those values? Use, use the space today that God's given you to, to Shabbat, to stop to rest and to think about those things, but then to remember the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The reason he came was to come for sinners. And, you're, and because we're addicted to this thing, it's gonna be hard. We're gonna get it right, and then we're gonna mess up again. <laughs> and we're gonna go like, oh, I did it again. I've, 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 I've been giving my life to over-programming. But then in that time, I just say, run back to his grace. Run back to his grace, and out of love for each other, let's begin to practice that beautiful ministry of presence with one another, to be fully present with you, because Jesus was fully present with us. Let me pray.